This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. He seems very, very comfortable in his own skin at the moment, and I think he's playing great rugby. And I think they actually might give themselves a better chance if they're playing Rossburn all the way until you hope, if you know, if they get to the, the latter stages of the competition. I think he's in better shape to lead the team at that stage than, say, the last couple of years where he's had to come on, you know, late in the game where he hasn't playing. He's kind of been patchy, you know, playing one game here, one game there. So I actually think this might work in their favour in that sense to, to have to play him. After a busy few months of Six Nations action, the focus is now firmly back on the provinces as we look forward to a cracking weekend of Champions Cup knockout rugby. Leinster take on Ulster at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, while Munster face a daunting trip to Durban for a clash with the Sharks. Welcome to the left wing, Will Slattery here, and I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald and Keen Tracy and Keen. Hello, we're turning our attention towards provincial action. You know, we were talking off air there. You're finding it hard to <laughs> switch back into gear after what was obviously a very exciting uh, kind of Six Nations period. That was off the record. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, like I, I just think it's hard to kind of switch your focus back into the clubs after what was like. Obviously, there was a full on in terms of work wise and that, but just such a high of covering the Irish team winning a Grand Slam. So, look, the players, I don't think we'll have any trouble at all. Like particularly with the Champions Cup knockout stages rolling around this weekend, and maybe you kind of needed a URC. To be fair, it was a good URC weekend, which I'm sure we'll get stuck into, but. Um, yeah, it's just kind of switching your focus back in, I suppose. You know, you're you're so focused on Ireland and you know what it means for the World Cup and the World Cup is sort of still that little bit far away. So, no, I am looking forward to the end of the season and I think this weekend it will ratchet up again because, like I said, you have uh, really good, I think, knockout clashes in, in Europe. So I am looking forward to it. What's your view? Like, I was actually pretty excited about last weekend to get back into club action. I, even though I enjoyed the Six Nations as much as anyone. Uh, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm enjoying now coming into this, you know, knockout rugby period European knockouts coming up are you excited for it or are you kind of similar to Keane like it's it was an intense couple of weeks in the Six Nations so it takes a bit of time to get back into it um, I thought the matches on the, on the weekend were kind of interesting I was uh, kind of happy to see some of the younger guys in I found that interesting to watch them and see how they went um, and I thought there was um you know, let's remember anyway. There was some good recoveries in the second half, and a few kind of. I think we found out a little bit about the both teams and a few of the younger guys after some pretty abysmal starts to both games for both teams. So um, that was interesting to watch. I'm sure we'll dig into that a bit more. Um, but yeah, like it is, you're you're watching the best of the best, and like uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I get pretty snobby about my <laughs> my my sports watching. I like to be watching the best thing, you know, the best person at the best thing. So, uh, or sorry, at each sport, and, and um, obviously Six Nations was that for the last period. So yeah, it can be a little <laughs> bit difficult, but you just change the mindset. Yeah. And, I, and I have to say, once I once I got stuck into the weekend on Sunday and uh, and watched back the rugby, I was. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was enjoyable. Yeah, before we touch on the matches and look ahead to the weekend, the Johnny Sexton news that you know kind of confirmed yesterday. You, you news sound you kind of alluded to it last week on the podcast, but it looks like he's out for the rest of the season. Obviously, you know Leinster fighting on two fronts. There was, I suppose, the idea that he might get the dream send off for both club and country. You know, how big a blow is this to, to Leinster in terms of winning a Champions Cup? You know, getting back over the line there. Would you think this is a massive setback for them there, or do you think they can cope? Uh, no, I think it's a big, big setback. I think when you get into the real nitty gritty of like your Lara Shells and Toulouse, if they're firing, I know they didn't really last season, but that's when you need your your Johnny Sex. And I think in Ross Byrne, they've like the ideal deputy to come in. We've seen it time and time again. Ross Byrne slots seamlessly in and and he run the game plan, you know, similarly. But it's the nuances to Sexton's game, his leadership. I think that they will miss. I think over the next couple of weeks they'll be absolutely fine. I think for Ulster this weekend, and that's not down to downplay the the challenge of Ulster. But I think Ross Byrne is more than good enough to that. But I think it's against the, the bigger kind of French teams is when you'll really miss. Um, 
sexing and like just from a personal point of view obviously I, I alluded to it to last week on the pod chatting to you lads I kind of said as much as I knew without saying it really but that was certainly what I was hearing and I suppose you're always very cautious of writing or saying that someone's going to be ruled out for the season and certainly when it comes to something as big as this like I mean like I said what I'd he- hearing was Johnny Sexton was going to be very lucky to play for Leinster again and that is that's an awful like really stark reality I think that he's facing so I've seen lots of people, you know, online and stuff saying over the last few days that, you know, this is just kind of about wrapping in him in cotton wool for the World Cup and making sure he's grand. And certainly from what I'm hearing from Daydot, that it couldn't be further from the mark. Um, Leinster rugby means an awful amount. And Luke, you'll certainly know about this more than I do, but means a huge amount to Johnny Sexton. So the notion that, you know, he just wants to get himself right and make sure he's ready to hopefully try and win a World Cup with Ireland is nonsense, really. Um, the injury was significant, as we've seen. He had surgery, uh, I think, today, Tuesday, as we we're recording. That's so, morning, yeah. This morning, yes. Yeah, so hopefully that all went to the plan and it sounded like a significant groin tear, rupture, whatever it was. So, um, look, it's really unfortunate. I mean, was it January was his last game or was it even December? Jan- it was January. Yeah, Connacht yeah, game, it was wasn't New it? New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Day, yeah. We yeah. were both c- c- close. Um, <laughs> but, like... Sexton, like you saw, like he had the kind of grand farewell. It doesn't come much better than that in terms of Six Nations bowing out as a Grand Slam winner. But it's it's sad, really, to think that you'll never mm. see Johnny Sexton again if if it works out like that, which it sounds like it is. So, Luke, how do you think Lencer or Johnny should approach it if the surgery, say, is really successful and there's a possibility of maybe getting back, say, the last two games if Leinster get that far? Should he be pushing to get back, or should now the call be made and say, hey, let's just get you right for the World Cup cycle? How, how does that play out? Do you think? I think you should push for it. Um, I think, um, you know, I think we all know that he's the kind of player that can come in without having played much rugby. He's proved that over time and again. Um, And he's good enough that if you have him on your bench, and that's definitely where I'd be thinking of playing him or keeping him, um, that he could come on and change a game for you. You know, he he could certainly... Um, you know, I think you have to accept that now it's Ross Byrne and whoever is deputising for him for, for you know, however long that is, probably at least until semi-finals, probably at, at the very least. That's best case scenario. Um, and, uh, you know, if he is available, I still wouldn't pick him to start. I, st- I think I'd pick him on the bench. Uh, that allows you to play him at the end of a game if you're comfortable but if you need to change things you know you don't have to worry about his kind of fitness um, you know coming on for the last 30 minutes or something in a big game and he's the kind of guy who has the temperament and the drive to bring a team out of you know a situation where you might be 10 or 15 points behind and you need someone to change it so um, that's probably how I'd be thinking about this if I was from from Leinster's perspective Uh, I think if he's back fully fit I, I don't know if they'll think the same as I do. I, I would be just saying to Ross Byrne, this is this is your team now to lead. I think his play this year has deserved that. I think he's well capable of it. Uh, I actually think that gap has really closed up, but I think there is, certainly for Leinster, I don't think the gap is as wide. Um, the Irish jersey is still a bit of a bigger one to fill, um, and he's had less time in that environment, and it's more pressure. But I think the Leinster one, he seems very, very comfortable in his own skin at the moment. And I think he's playing great rugby. And I think there's a few guys that are playing pretty good rugby behind him as well. So uh, I don't think all is lost in that front. I think it's uh, certainly, it, it's you're, you know, you, you do lose a little bit. But it's not as much as it was in previous years. And I think they actually might give themselves a better chance if they're playing Ross Byrne all the way until you hope if you know if they get to the, the latter stages of the competition I think he's in better shape to lead the team at that stage than say the last couple of years where he's had to come on you know late in the game where he hasn't been playing he's kind of been patchy you know playing one game here one game there so I actually think this might work in their favour in that sense um, to, to have to play him Yeah it's, a, it's been a fascinating couple of months for Ross Byrne mm-hmm. obviously you know coming in from the cold in November kicking that penalty getting back into the Six Nations squad and, and having some good cameos in the Six Nations and now you know in all likelihood being tasked to lead Leinster to this kind of final stretch with home games all the way through potentially getting the, the dream uh, end of the season it, and with next season the carrot of if Johnny is gone as we presume he will be there's opportunities there to, to, at Ireland and, and obviously at Leinster level it's a huge couple of months for him and I don't think he'll be phased at all by that I think you know he's always been comfortable I agree with Luke in playing in that Leinster jersey like it's just he's looked like a different player when he stepped up to international rugby but the Six Nations period and obviously the tail end of November last year has been huge for him I touched on it last week when I was speaking to you guys on the podcast that um, I chatted to Ross Byrne after the, the Grand Slam match and the emotion like in him was remarkable really I think he has, was having this moment of realisation about 
how, I suppose how far he'd come in the last few months because he admitted it himself he did not think he'd play for Ireland again. He always believed he could, but he believed the ship had sailed. And to come back and play like a key part in Ireland's Grand Slam, to kick that winning goal against uh, Australia in November was just massive for him. So I think coming into this period now, he is going to be like more confident, I think, than ever. I think he'll have come back from Irish camp, probably even a better player than what he went in because he was such a key part of the squad. Um, throughout the Six Nations it wasn't that he was a bit part player he got his start in Rome did quite well um, so I'd imagine he's bounced back into Leinster this week and we're going to see an even more confident Ross Byrne so like I said I wouldn't be I wouldn't have any doubts that he's more than capable of delivering Leinster their fifth Heineken Cup and winning them back the, the URC title but I just think when it comes down to the, the nitty gritty of the, the French teams I think that's when you miss uh, a Johnny Sexton and look we're talking about like we, we said it last week probably the, the best Irish player to play ever like you're going to miss a guy like that so it's almost unfair to expect Ross Byrne to come in and do the exact same things but in terms of a deputy he's absolutely the ideal man I think and I think the situation at Leinster will kind of favour him I was just thinking about this as you were answering it I think you know Ross will have had to kind of accept almost that no matter how well he plays it's pretty likely that Johnny's going to play in the big ones Mm -hmm. so Ross I don't think will have to change much here in terms of you know worrying about you know he's always played his own game is kind of what I'm getting at he's never really tried to go outside of his strengths I don't think Uh, he's always played the game as he's seen obviously trying you you see improvements in his game certainly the last year I think Um, but he's never really had to do that because I think there's probably been an acceptance that Johnny's going to be playing those games so I don't think much changes for him now that Johnny's not there you know you're not trying to you're not looking at a guy saying oh well I've got to prove now that I'm the number one like you know I don't think he'll have to do that because the mindset hasn't changed you know that kind of way he just has always played his game Uh, and I think um, you know I think the guys behind him are still far enough behind him that he'll have a bit of comfort there and I think he just gets a nice run in here so I think this could be a good thing for him big test for him now leading the team out against Ulster I think that's one of the most dangerous teams that Leinster can play um, at this point because you know, Ulster will have they'll take heart from certain parts of what of, of the two games they played against Leinster this year, even though they fell apart in the RDS. I think I think they'll have learned their lessons. I don't think they do that again. Um I think they're a stronger outfit at this point of the year mentally. I think they've looked like they've steadied the ship. Um so I think that's a this is a huge challenge for Leinster, despite what everyone else is saying. They should win the day. Um but I I don't think it's gonna be easy for them. I, I think Ulster are such underdogs in this one. Uh, and they're not as bad as people are saying. I, I think this one is tighter on the weekend, lads. And um, kind of reminiscent of the, uh, the game they played in 2019. Completely you know, has and that feel about it. Ross Byrne was the key man. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Stockdale dropped the one over the line. <laughs> mm. uh, that probably would have, I don't know if it would have killed the game, but it may well have. At that point, they were way on top. Uh, that kind of turned the tide, and Ross obviously comes on cool hand Luke you know he's just he's got that cramping up as well yeah but he has that in his locker to be a calm guy and he's a big game player I think certainly when it comes to the kicking and I think his ball playing um, I think it's a better team for that now there's not as much focus on his ability to put people through holes because I think Leinster uh, you know have like I think Keenan I think Lowe I think these guys have taken the pressure off the Leinster creativity side of things because they can put people through they're lovely passers of the ball Um, so I don't think there's much of a as much of a focus on that there's always been that talk and you hear Dricko talking about a lot about you know Ross Burns squaring up you know what I mean Johnny's so good at that it's sticking the guy in front of him creates lots of, lots of uh, space for the players outside him I think there's still growth in that for, for Ross in his game but there's less pressure on him to do that because there's other people outside of him that can put people in holes and that's the strength of this Leinster team and I think Ross off the back of that there isn't as much pressure on him to, to that, that's not as noticeable a difference with Johnny anymore because there's more people that can, that can ball play um, so I think he can just go out and play his game and um, yeah, I think he actually is the right guy to lead the team out in the, uh, you know, ne- next weekend. I think this, he's perfect. This is the time to show it. And like, I mean, mm. if you want to look at it through the World Cup prism, like this is ideal from an Irish yeah. point of view that Ross Byrne gets to lead Leinster for the next couple of months, two to three months, whatever's left in the season. If Johnny Sexton doesn't make it back, as we suspect, suspect he won't. Like how important is that? Because we, we spend so much time talking about the backup to Johnny Sexton. And if you're thinking if Leinster were to go on and win the, the Champions Cup, that the out half who led them to it is your backup out half going into the World Cup like what an opportunity that is for, for Ireland as well so it, it kind of works out nicely in that obviously you'd want Johnny Sexton playing but Luke hit the nail on the head like time and time again we've seen Johnny Sexton come back play with little game time and get up to the speed of the game he did it in the Six Nations already so uh, from an Irish perspective this could work out very very nicely and another knock on effect from Ross Byrne starting and Johnny Sexton being injured and obviously I'm not trying to look too far ahead there's obviously a couple of matches this weekend next weekend Leinster would have to win but 
but if they get over those two they go into a period where they could have five knockout games week on week on week that could give opportunities to maybe Harry Bruno Kieran Frawley to start a knockout game because Ross Burner realistically isn't going to start you know five matches in a row I wouldn't have thought or, or a couple of matches in a row so it could give other guys who we've been kind of crying out to see as well opportunities at a time when it's not cut and dried who necessarily will go to the World Cup maybe behind Johnny or, or Ross if that's the case so a few interesting things there Keen the, the Leinster Stormers game on Friday night just to go back to that before we hit on to the Champions Cup was, was a very enjoyable game the wind was howling both teams struggled at times it was a great test for those Leinster youngsters who've been running rough shot over everyone put 47 points in Edinburgh I think two or three weeks before it and looked very good but a proper test against a Stormers team full of Springboks I really enjoyed John Dobson kind of saying in advance that he'd asked all his guys, do you want to kind of stay at home mm-hmm. with an eye to the Quinns game this weekend? Because they're, they're, that's in South Africa, so they would have had to do a lot of travel, but they all wanted to come up and play Leinster, and it was a great test. It was a gr- great game. It kind of reminded me of the Sharks game, really, against Leinster earlier on in the season. I suppose this is what you were hoping for when the South African teams joined the URC, that you were going to get games like this. And like I was so, so impressed with that Leinster and how, you know, obviously they had a little bit of a blip, but they got themselves back into it. But it's like guys like Reese Ruddock, Luke McGrath, like how they're the ones who ensure that the standards don't drop when that you have so many young guys coming into the team. I know we'll get on to talk about Munster, but Munster were kind of lacking that little bit of leadership. But you just can't, you know, underestimate I think how important guys like that are to the whole I think not just to, to getting a draw like that, but to the functioning of Leinster. This is why Leinster works so well that like we're going to see a totally different team play against uh, Ulster last week. But in terms of like maintaining that momentum, it was so so impressive. Like guys like Scott Penny played really well again. Um, the cha- I mean the chase back was everything. Yeah, Bernard and so Bernard Jack made yeah, a great point. He's like yeah. that's why they're so hard to beat, yeah. and actually was a really great point wasn't mm-hmm. it I th- like I mean there was so much to admire like aside from the kits off steel and the bat like that was a brilliant yeah. bit of skill but the chase back from Reese because once he knows he's dead mm-hmm. he still runs which means well, that he's able to key, he's yeah. able to help he on the follow but he got back but then he was able to hold I don't know who did, was it uh, who made the, the steal um, so Frawley got back Rob made the Russell. double tackle Rob Russell, Rob Russell got back yeah. that's right like I mean he came from a mile yeah. away yeah. like that's one of those ones where no one's going to see that particularly if you're the open side winger like if you don't really run everyone will go well it's so far away from you can see why he wouldn't do that but he makes the that, that kind of thankless run and ends up getting held in there by Reese Ruddock who keeps running even though he knows his race is run um, now maybe he does see um, I don't know who, who actually I, don't, I didn't pick who made the actual tackle across but Reese Ruddock keeps running you can see the engine go up and you see like the, the parachute going out but he still keeps trucking in there and he's the key man that kind of holds him up after the frawley tackle uh, so I just thought it was a really great clip from, from Jack with the show and it was um, yeah it does encapsulate a lot of what's good about Leinster and as you said those standards because if Reese Ruddock is doing that you know 12 or 13 years into his Leinster career well, what does it mean for you one year into your career? Yeah. Like, you better get on your bike. He, he put himself in position at the breakdown as well that he took the brunt of, I can't remember what Stormers bear it was, coming oh, in for yes. clear out, and it allowed Rob Russell to... It was just a small thing, but, I mean, it just said so much, I think, about the, the culture that's in Leinster at the moment. And, yeah, like, it's just so, so important, I think, to the winning machine that they come. I know it was a draw, but it must have felt like a win because, mm-hmm. like, if you were to look at it from a Stormers point of view, like... That's a game they should really be winning on paper when you look at the, the players. The, the tries were a little bit... Well, there was one or two of them that were a little... Look, they were way on top in the game, but Leinster survived them well. Like, you're talking like, inter, you know, the interceptions. Yeah, the they interception they, they just kind of feel... It felt like they were kind of... I don't think they deserve to be as far ahead as they were in the game, no. is what I would say. But they were way on top, just physically. You could see Leinster struggled. I think... Frawley in my mind is still a 10 you know and I think that, that looked a little weak around that area like I thought they weren't really able to stop and if you're if, if other teams are looking at Leinster like you know and particularly the South African teams is probably what I'm referring to for the league campaign at least and that is still where you you know if Leinster if, if you can get on top of the, the Irish teams in those phases those early phases in the tight you know you're still hard to stop that South African momentum those big men coming down the channel so if you don't have that physicality in there Does Frawley um, start 12 this weekend just because you know Charlie Natai's out Jamie Osborne's out mm. Henshaw is Hen- Henshaw's, Henshaw's there but do they Ringo's, go Henshaw Ringo's 13 is, still, is he still out yeah, like well he's still sorry, Ringrose is out as well. Yeah, like it's it's hard to get a gauge. Ringrose was training, uh, they sorry involved in training, going through his graduated return to plague protocols. He was obviously uh, part of the Ireland captain's run, just doing runs um, for the England game as well. So, like 
it, it's remarkable really because like when it happened you were kind of thinking you, wouldn't, one, you yeah. wouldn't really be surprised if he was stood down for a while he got a head injury yeah. last year as well and I'm not getting into the, the murky world of that because I'm absolutely not a doctor and Leinster to be fair have done really really good by the likes of James Ryan and Caelan Dyer yeah. so I've no doubts that player well for his first but like it would be something of a surprise I think if Gary Ringrose was back so soon but he certainly seems to be on the right track but um if he doesn't, then yeah, you'd imagine that that's certainly certainly an, an option. option. Yeah. Because Leinster... It could be Henshaw and Liam Turner is the only other option. Yeah, Liam and Liam Turner. Turner has been playing well, to be mm. fair. But I don't know, do Leinster see Frawley as the 10? I know, like, I know, I know a, they don't. Like, I don't think they do. They it's a weird one. And yeah. Farrell yeah. clearly does. Farrell and... Well, Liam I think he definitely do. is. That is certainly, in my mind, his best position. Mm. And I think if he wants to go to international level, that's where he has to play. And that creates a real problem for Leinster because obviously they have Harry Byrne there who looks like he's coming back into some form. He's a big, I like Harry Byrne, he's a big size of a guy. Now he's not unbelievably physical uh, as of yet, but he looks like he's grown into the body just a little bit more, looks a little bit more comfortable, not getting injured as much. And apparently his ball playing ability, I haven't talked to some of the guys in, in training and that is second to none. Like apparently he's got a beautiful, beautiful passing game. We see little parts of it, but as he grows into that position and plays more, we probably see a bit more of it. Um, but I think there's more to go from him in that sense. So I think they are seeing something in training maybe that we're not um, but from what I've seen of Frawley that's the place that's the place he needs to be playing and I think he's you know I'm not going to get you know I'm, 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 I'm covering all ground here but when I saw him at 12 on the weekend I, that was my thought my first thought was well Jesus like he's obviously gone back in that pecking order a little bit because he's been injured you well, know? when he made his return he made his return at fullback I think I'm right in saying yeah, so yeah, yeah. and like obviously Sam Prendergast probably isn't for this season but he's coming through now as well but, so uh, I don't think would, they see Frawley with Prendergast do you think I expect him maybe to play in South Africa because yeah, he's training so yeah. with the squad this week yeah. you know they're obviously Ross Byrne won't be going over so you'll need Harry Byrne will go Frawley yeah. might go too obviously but then you might have another out half Prendergast yeah. off the bench because I know they used a couple of guys last year mm-hmm. I think it was Jack Boyle and Lee Barn for their debuts yeah. or one or two that wouldn't yeah, shock no, you're me right. if Prendergast got his first cap you're maybe. right I actually forgot about that and especially now that they're kind of they've done their business in the mm-hmm. URC yeah, that exactly. they these games are kind of free yeah, hits so, to try so players get, we, we probably will you're right yeah. Will. we probably will get to see Prendergast but like in terms of like the knockout games and going forward like I just don't think they see Frawley as a 10 I think it's like an mm-hmm. emergency option that he can play there but like that's a big contrast to what how Ireland see him so yeah. it, it is a it is a bit of an issue you know it's mm. especially for him trying to make a well, World Cup I, I think he's going to be really struggling there because I really like what I've seen of uh, Jack Crowley you know I just think he looks the and real the Ireland deal Ireland coaches really like uh, well, him I well. thought even the bit we, that we saw a tiny bit of him in the Six Nations really um, but I thought he was very impressive he looked he didn't look overall but the occasion nice ball playing tough as well made his tackles um, yeah I like him he looks a nice kicking game too so I, I just think he looks to me now Weirdly enough, he might have even usurped Joey Carberry. Uh, that sounds like a weird thing to say, but he I could think get a he start may well this week. Uh, well, I think Jack Carley could start this week. Mm. In yeah, South Africa I wouldn't be surprised, you know. And I think he's uh, he's more physical um, than than Carberry. Uh, he looks like he's a bit grittier, I think. Um, but I love his ball playing, and he looks like a bit of a threat with ball in hand too. Whereas Carberry, all those kind of ankle injuries, I just don't think he looks like the same threat as a running. Like his, I think he his ball playing is nice. He looks like he's calmed down and is playing actually reasonably well, good rugby. I think four Munster at ten, but. I, I think I prefer Crowley I think and I think he's the future so uh, I, for Frawley and Carberry I think that poses a big problem because it looks like Ross Byrne has cemented that number two slot so I think there's going to be a bit of pressure coming on I think you know who do you then pick as your Swiss army knife like because that is the one thing like Crowley can do a little bit of that we absolutely know Frawley can and we know Carberry can to a certain extent so that, that's an interesting selection mm-hmm. dilemma uh, coming up to, to the World Cup I think you know Frawley and Crowley would probably suffer a little bit because well, I think they won't be playing that position first of all, but I think they might struggle for more rugby in the pro- in the provincial setups. I think you're right. I don't think that um, Leinster see Frawley as a ten. First of all, I think they see him really as that Swiss Army knife, the guy who can fit in anywhere on the pitch. Mm-hmm. But Crawley is going to suffer from that. I think they they view him as a more a longer term their ten, but poses a problem with what they do with Carberry so it's an interesting one and Carberry's age profile is he's still 27 isn't he yeah, uh, you know so there's loads of time for him left so there's an interesting it's a big decision conundrum. this week I think mm. you know not yeah. to skip over Leinster yet but like just now that we're on it I don't yeah. think it's a foregone conclusion that Joey Carberry is going to really? start in what have we made of so. them kind of 10-12 like it doesn't seem no and I think I, I, like against this Sharks South Africa yeah, they're going to go to Fekitoa and Frisch I'd imagine as they're 12-13 and to be fair that had looked good in recent weeks I know Frisch was injured last week and they really missed him to be fair because he's been good this Fekitoa season Fekitoa was patchy I thought he, did you think he was patchy he missed a few tackles he, he, he has been patchy but they looked like they were striking up some bit mm. of a look and he's obviously leaving to go to Bennett and at the end of the season yeah. 
Everton. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a big decision for Munster this week. Like, if you put a gun to my head right now, I'd probably still say they, they might just go with Joey Carberry, but I don't think it's as clear-cut as it has been earlier in the season. See, I think it feels wrong that Crowley wouldn't wouldn't start, I think. even I think he's... If you just as a just in terms of quality of player, like... I think he's up there with for, for Munster in terms of their best backs. I think he looks really, really good to me. I don't know if I'm... Am I overestimating that? Or no, he's, just, he's usually, he's hugely, he's really hugely rate, rated rate in, in Munster. Him. And also in Ireland, like we spoke... Or I spoke about Ross Byrne coming back into Leinster with a pep in his step after, yeah. you know... And obviously Crowley only played uh, at the end in, in the Rome game, the few minutes, and he did look good in the, the brief glimpses yeah, that we yeah. saw. But even the fact he didn't play, he was still in the Six Nations squad throughout. So he's coming back into Munster, I'd imagine, with a bit of a swagger going as well. Well, I'm, you know, third in here I should be first choice here I'm ahead of Joey Carberry in the Ireland yeah, coaches it's funny because so. you know you say he was in the Ireland squad but he's barely played for Munster in, in you know meaningful Champions Cup games until they were starting like I know he started in Castle when you were at and you were getting your free yeah. cheese before the game from the, from the, <laughs> the, the Castle <laughs> yeah. uh, but he hasn't played a huge amount of Champions Cup from the start other than that I don't think did he play did he start against Toulouse in, uh, at 12 I think or a uh, mistake I, I can't remember off the top of my head but it would, be, it would be a big moment for him to get the starting jersey this weekend but he has the temperament yeah. that like every, anyone you speak to like and I did a profile on him a few months ago as well and even from back in his school days and I know it's not the same but like he always had this kind of confidence in his own ability and I think that's what the Ireland coaches really really like from him you know, if you look at Joey Carberry, I think one of the things that, you know, the criticisms that we would be aimed at him is that he's a little bit quiet. You know, he doesn't quite have the, the he, his leadership in a different way, certainly to the way uh, Johnny Sexton or Ross Byrne would lead. But I think they see Crowley as more of a vocal presence, more confident in his own ability. Bigger shoulders, kind of. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know, so it does, think, it, yeah. it rests easy kind of on mm. him. So um, this is a tricky time in Joey Carberry's career. And I'm like a massive fan of Joey Carberry, but I would agree. Like, I mean, he's had such bad injuries, hasn't quite looked like the same player um, and Jack Crowley now if his time isn't now it's very much coming you know and if he doesn't finish the season as Munster's first choice 10 then come the start of next season I know there's loads of road left to run in terms of the World Cup but Jack Crowley is looking every bit Munster's next kind of, 10 I, I think he's kind of in danger now of kind of uh, like stagnating a little bit if he doesn't start playing some rugby so like he needs to be in there demanding it I think uh, and I think he's got the I know he hasn't played a massive amount of rugby as you alluded to Will, but the bit I've seen of him I think if he's fit he's got to play for Munster just where they are at and where he's from you know I think you know he just looks good enough to me he just looks like a big time player to me you know one of those players you just look at and you go yeah I just like him I just like everything he does I like the way he's getting into tackles I like the way he's running the game plan he looks confident he doesn't have to play much um, you know he doesn't ha it's not all about him he's not one of those young players who you're kind of thinking you know he's trying these really speculative things all the time he looks like he can just play and understand the, the game so um, he looks like someone if I was Munster I'm thinking well I've got to find somewhere for him to play week in week out because I think if I don't do that then he comes out of Irish camp having not played a huge amount of rugby but with high confidence being around high quality players in a, in a team that's winning he comes back here and he's kind of sitting on a bench going well like Am, am I not really not making this month? Like, where 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 do I sit here, and and am I actually progressing as a rugby player? Because I don't think I am if I'm not playing. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a kind of a conundrum for them, I think, because you wouldn't want to leave someone like him stagnate. I think he's too good to to let go. Why? And as Munster as a whole, like what happened last weekend? Like, you know, I was saying to you earlier, I didn't get to see the game live. I checked the score at half time, twenty eight nil down. I couldn't get my head around it. Like, how damaging is that to their confidence with this really tough run of? you know Sharks potentially to lose if they win that game and then back to South Africa to play the Stormers and the Sharks again like mm. where, where are Munster they've now? let themselves in a, in a bit of a hole like their their defence I think has been decent under Dennis Leamy this season but in the last couple of games they scarred one before as well they've just been leaking really really soft tries now I think one thing you'd have to say is Glasgow were excellent um, they were really really impressive I think Nigel Carlin uh, you know the former Connacht and Ireland under 20s head coach has got that attack playing like some really good rugby and they should get credit for that as well but I mean to see a Munster defence opened up like that at Toma Park like was just alarming really so um, I think it will I was on a call earlier at the press conference with uh, Graham Rountree and he was saying that they had you know a really harsh honest review on Monday um, that you know a lot of home truths were spoken
broken because it's just not acceptable at that level at all particularly because that was a huge game massive in the context of Munster season just a league and, it was like, like just and to not yeah. to not turn up okay they pulled it around in, in the second half and put a bit of respectability on the scoreline but the game was over at half time and that's not good enough at it all it was a sh- like literally a shocking scoreline like when I saw that in the restaurant I was like what the yeah. F is you were choking on. on your pasta or yeah, your steak exactly. whatever yeah, you're yeah, steak yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a funny one isn't it because like watching it like it was what really struck me was just the, some of the missed tackles mm. like you know what I mean like that stuff that like H- Haley had one for like there was some sh- the short passing in the wide channels like they just didn't seem to be able to stop them or get people down to the ground quickly there was people slipping off tackles Haley missed an absolute stinker um, for I think it was the second try coming in like he was really close to the guy I don't, like, I don't know where he bought a dummy or something I actually didn't get to watch the replay back but I was just thinking like that's a, that was soft like really really soft ones you know so um, I think they're better than that. Uh, I think they get a few bodies back as well, which does help them, and, and it does. They only a couple, though. Like, I know, you know, but they make it's a big Murray difference. Only Murray and Omani, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, no, but those. Yeah. The, the okay, okay, another no, like, great player. Omani like, is a big, yeah, yeah. Is, is big for them, Huge. you know, and he and he changes your line out. Uh, you know, Murray's kicking as well means that you know around the pitch. Like, where do you, I think he does start for them. I know they were. Um, he hadn't. You know, I'm pretty sure he had. Lo- had he had. Lo- had he lost his place? Yeah. Six- I think he had yeah. lost his place. Fair to say. Great Casey had t- I think. Yeah, no, I think he had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Patterson actually had a poor game in the he weekend. Poor, he, yeah. he missed a lot of tackles. Yeah. He had some sloppy stuff as well uh, with ball on hand, um, and some weird kicks. But I think um, no, he is definitely one for the future. But I think Murray comes back in. You know, he's got to be brimming with confidence after that Six Nations. I think so is Peter O'Mahony. Um, I think they make a big... They, they make that team steely straight away around your spine. And as I said, O'Mahony has that weird thing where... I just think he transforms your line out. I just think he's so good there. You saw what he did for Ireland, you know, at a key point. But obviously throughout the campaign, and particularly from a defensive line out perspective as well. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of two important guys to, 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 get, to get back for them, you know. And I think um, they will make an impact. Um, and... Um, They'll need to. Like, I think they're going to be under pressure. Like, if they perform like that, if they if they can't, that what I felt. The, I don't know what you felt, Keen. If you were, were you at the game, were you? No, I was watching. Oh yeah, watching on the, t- on the telly as well. Uh, my sense of it on TV was that they lost. They were getting milled at the breakdown a lot as well. Their breakdown work. That was and an their issue defense. earlier in the season as well. To be fair, it was but poor. do you know what? It's good timing just before Sharks. Like you can imagine now, Graham Roundtree, Liam, like you know, and Leams and those guys will be really focusing on that at the early part of this week when they're doing their physical stuff. And, and you'd imagine they'd be really. They'd have to be very very switched on. And if you're switched on those two there two areas against South African teams, and you can kind of nullify them, getting that momentum and the carries and at the rook time, that you know you don't let them disrupt you. All of a sudden, the game can, can be tight. I, I I do believe that. I think they can revert to type down there and start kicking it a lot, which probably might suit Munster, particularly if Murray's back for them. You know, so uh, if they can get those two things right, it could be a, a really timely reminder for them with a big week. I think and two, two key things against South African teams. You could say most of the time, but I think particularly against South African teams. The funny thing about the Sharks is they had an even worse weekend than Munster. Mm. Like they went away to the Scarlets with like all their stars, like Khaleesi, Lukanyawam, Mapimpi, Oxnicha, Mbanambi. They didn't get any points, so they're actually lang- kind of in danger of missing the playoffs now. So, and they have to travel back to South Africa, so they didn't get to rest up at all. So, it, it, like they're not coming in, you know, brimming with confidence either. Yeah, and um, my understanding is that they missed their connection flight home as well. Lovely. Um, <laughs> so they've had. A uh, they have not had a good week in terms no. of getting home so I don't know will it's that a lump mean, on Munster yeah, <laughs> will, will, will it mean that they've missed a, a day's training I don't know you're going to have the conditions it, it's at half 12 sorry half 1 local time half 12 Irish time at kickoff so it's going to be hot it's going to be sticky it's going to be a fast track which should suit Munster in terms of the fast track but those conditions are going to be difficult a world away from obviously what we have here at the moment but like there's no doubt that Peter O'Mahony makes a massive, massive difference. But to me, Munster is still t- like they're too reliant on him to set the tone yeah. in terms of the week. Like I reference guys like Luke McGrath and Reese Ruddock for Leinster. It shouldn't take one player to you know ensure that the standards don't drop. And while o- O'Mahony is you know the, the spiritual leader of that Munster team. You know the standards shouldn't have been as bad as that against Glasgow last week, and I think like the players who were playing really need to take a long hard look at themselves. That it shouldn't take you know a Conor Murray to come back into the team for you know everyone's standards to lift because you still had like the likes of Craig Casey came back. Coombs like, played very good for a Coombs while. Played well, there, yeah. but like. I was, you were kind of thinking like that all of the provinces would get a, a real boost off the Grand Slam. You know, I know you're going to have more guys coming in this week, so maybe you'll see it more. But there was just it was. 
it was so passive for Munster. That's why it's so surprising because their results up to now, you know, since their early season, kind of, you know, their that run at the start have been really strong. They, you know, they were hammering teams, especially at home. I just thought like it was primed to to get a big win, put themselves in a great position to maybe get a home quarter final in the league. And, and as you said, they they have a strong team. But that's why, as I said, I was so shocked when I saw. I that think I, I think Mike Lass would be more half full on this. I I would be quite optimistic that it was a blip. Same, it was just, I, I would as well because they, they have been good. They've really turned around. Yeah. Their to the, like I actually went back and started just to cut across it, just to look at the results early in the season to see how many games they've won since, and like forgot, you know that, the, the Zebra performance at home, yeah. even when they won and were poor, they lost to the, Remember the Dragons yeah. game away from home, they were really really poor. It's night and day for, yeah. from what the and it's, is. Oh, you felt you know that interview afterwards that poor Roundtree had, like the, <laughs> it was agonising to watch him, and he had. To, he, I, I felt like he nearly had the exact same uh, after after match uh, kind of commentary piece um, or interview you know for about four or five weeks in a row and I was yeah. like oh god I'd say he was thinking now, I, I, to be honest with you I feel like where they are in the journey he probably has one or two more of them probably yeah. left he, he will have that yeah. but as you say like stark difference between mm-hmm. now and, and, and the start of the season and you'd expect an impact next year like, like I expect them I think this team is further along and I think they'll be able to have an impact in two or three days training on this team to make them go okay well look these areas are just unacceptable we have changed these things we are not reverting now this is what we need to do this is what we're going to train to sort out on the weekend and, and I, I believe they put in a, a way better performance on the weekend and it's not just the, the results it's the performances and the style of play that they're playing like it's night and day from what they were playing under Johan van Graan last season and that was always going to take time but if you had said Munster would be in this position when they were going through that horrible run when you said Will uh, I think most Munster fans would have taken that I think most Munster fans are you know sensible in that this is going to take time most of them um, mm-hmm. and Luke is right there might be another kind of you know a couple of won't be his last one I don't think no and like you know you wouldn't want it to be at home against the Glasgow team in the biggest game of the season but Munster are not a Heineken Cup winning team you know at the moment you know next season I think is when we'll start seeing the proper fruits of their labour come to fruition so uh, I would be optimistic that it was just a bit of a blip but in terms of you know, looking for a response. I mean, going away to Durban with all the travel that's involved, like that is a tough, tough place to go. Looking to keep alive your, your Champions yeah, Cup season. And the only thing is though, you don't have to deal with the altitude. That is one, yeah, that is the one heat, positive. The heat, the heat, the heat but is, the altitude, but yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, um, like you're probably coming out of the real hot and you know sweaty stuff. Like just to ask you something, Keith. Uh, you know, Rudd was kind of tweeting about it that if Munster do go to the Sharks and win, it'd be a great result. They would probably have to go to Toulouse, and their squad would be quite stretched then with that trip to South Africa to come, where they do need to get points from two tough games against the Stormers and the Sharks to make sure they're in the Champions Cup next year. So they they might. I don't want to be. They could be almost robbing Peter to pay Paul in the mm. sense of like you know, by by really gunning for a Champions Cup win and, and progressing that tournament. It might put them under actually pressure to make the tournament again next year. It's an interesting kind of balancing act. Yeah, well, this is the hole that they've put themselves mm. in. You know, um, not just you know the early season wobbles that they had, but like the Glasgow game as we've referenced as well. And you know, we touched on the you know the, the position that Leinster have put themselves in that they can bring the likes of Sam Prendergast to South Africa and blood these guys for for next season and beyond. Munster can't do that. It's it's so important. So it is going to be a juggling act because you know if they get through and it's a big if like this this Sharks team are a serious outfit if they were to get through that like I said going back to Toulouse where they've obviously they've been beaten by them twice this season where they played quite well um, over in Toulouse but this Toulouse team look I think much better than they did last season they're going to be there thereabouts to win it so um, it is a balancing act I agree Will and yeah like I mean a couple of injuries as well if they pick up along the way and suddenly they're looking um, a bit a bit skinny so I think they have a couple of guys back I think uh, Edwin Adogbo who's not travelling actually to South Africa I was a bit surprised by that but I think he was doing the warm up in the game last weekend I think they've missed a bit of his ballast in yeah, the second in the season. so um, yeah. yeah one to watch but um, that's the position they've put themselves in I think with the, the defeats any, any news on like uh, is Zeebo or, or Zeebo's going to South Africa he's yeah. going, is he, yeah. Earls isn't uh, I'm not really sure to be honest in short what the, the story with Keith Earls like I mean we've speaking about you know Johnny Sexton and how kind of you know unfortunate his is but like no one was kind of really talking about the fact that you know Keith Earls might have played his last Six Nations game. He's stuck on 98 caps, and you could see him on the sideline for most of the Six Nations games. How important he still is to the the wider squad. But I mean, 
God, it'd be an awful shame if he ended up like Peter Stringer, wouldn't it? And just didn't quite get to the hundred because yeah, he's is he's Kiro's in trouble. Playing on next season, do we know what his status is? Uh, I think I think he is. Yeah, I think he signed a contract extension. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he did um, with Munster anyway. At least I, I think um, we'll have to double check that. But yeah, like it, he's just had a really like injury hit season, and you know, well, what's the latest one? I I just haven't I haven't following the injury situation in Munster. Is this? Is it his knee? I'm not. I'm is not this, quite yeah, sure. Yeah, I, no, I could look. But he's yeah. definitely not travelling to uh, South Africa this weekend. Zebo is. Um, but yeah, it'd be a real shame if Keith Earls doesn't be, kind of get back yeah. in and get the 100 caps. Not yeah, that it's yeah. just about getting 100 caps, but... Yeah, it's he, nice he, to get he, it, though. He's, he's, he's probably been so it, important to, yeah. to Munster and Ireland over the years. So I wouldn't be ruling him out of making the World Cup squad, but when you look at the amount of ground he has to make up and he's got to play for Munster towards the tail end of the season. So bit of a task in his hands as well. Mm. Yeah, so obviously Ulster on Saturday for Leinster, they had a really good win over the Bulls on a Saturday night you know they were down early but kind of rallied back and kind of like Munster they have had a they had a rough patch there it was in the middle of the season you know well documented at this stage but they've gotten back on the horse they've kind of locked into that number three spot in the table in the league most you know almost certainly depending on if the Stormers slip up they could maybe go to second but yeah like they'll have memories of that game in 2019 when they almost upset Leinster like so even listening to or reading Dan McFarlane's comments like kind of he seems kind of quietly confident of maybe producing a good performance you know at, at the very least I think they'd be quietly confident they can win it I, I think um, you know there'll be a bit of a hangover possibly with a lot of Leinster squad from the Grand Slam you know they went out and probably and, and rightly so enjoyed themselves mm. for a couple of nights after and um, I'm sure they'll have got that out of their system at this stage but they still have to get back in and play for Leinster and change the calls you know change the timing probably you know playing with obviously Ross Byrne they'll be more used to that that's not as big a change anymore um, but there are still changes there you know and I think that will be uh, a little bit disruptive whereas the Ulster guys most of their squad and their key guys um, are kind of um, you know are, are, are raring to go have been in the setup they'll obviously miss Henderson I think a little bit but uh, other than that I think they, they seem in reasonably good shape uh, from an injury injury perspective you know so uh, I expect them to uh, to put up a big fight in, in the Aviva and I think um, I think they'll be they of course they'll respect Leinster but I don't think they'll fear them as much you know when, you, when it's your provincial rivals oftentimes it's there's there's something else just there in in the background that I don't think they fear. You know, like say like an English team coming over to play Leinster, I think would be, you know, maybe not Saracens, but um, you know, some of the other teams coming over here would be thinking it's a foregone conclusion. Really, you know, they just blow them out of the water. But I don't think the Irish teams feel that way. I think there's, you know, when you're looking at your competition for your position, I just, you know, it's very hard for me to feel like, bar maybe a couple of positions there where you think maybe Ty Furlong, but maybe not so much anymore, Johnny Sexton. Do you really feel like they're ever that far ahead of you? You probably don't in your own head. I always remember thinking that myself. Uh, even when I wasn't kind of getting in there, I was thinking, mm, one, or, one or two good performances here, and I, I could be ahead of this guy. You know, it's a great opportunity for that. So uh, I don't think um, Ulster will feel like they're as far behind Leinster as most people outside of both camps do. Um, so, yeah, I think they will be quietly confident. I think they're a dangerous team for, for Leinster to play too, actually. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. I expect it to be a little bit tighter than, other, than most people think. Yeah, Keen, where do you, what's your perspective on? Do you think Ulster can produce a shock? Uh, they're capable of it, but I'd be very surprised, to be honest. Um, it was Keeler's at a calf injury. I just checked it there. That was annoying me. I didn't um, see you check it. I thought he just pulled it out. No, I had, I had to check mind. it. Um, yeah, look, ugh, like Lou kind of touching it there. It depends. Like, Le- Leinster like, probably have a, an entirely different 15, really, won't they? Like, in... I know lots have been playing for Ireland and stuff and that definitely helps but you do need to switch back into different calls and things like that and it sounds like it's going to be a sold out crowd at the Aviva Stadium obviously mostly Leinster fans but there'll be a good contingent of Ulster fans you'd imagine making the trip down as well so um, I I think Ulster have done really well to turn around the, the massive blip that, that they had um, but I'm still i still not convinced I still think psychologically that when it comes to the crunch that there is a weakness there and I think if there's any team that will exploit that it'd be Leinster mm-hmm. um, I think interestingly you know again from an Irish perspective you've got guys like you know Stuart McCloskey could be going up against Robbie Henshaw mm-hmm. like he had a really good Six Nations but I imagine he'll be really annoyed that he didn't get to play in the last couple of games when he didn't do much wrong to, to lose his place so he would love nothing more to get one over in his individual battle if it is Robbie Henshaw uh, you've guys like you know Nick Timoney probably going up against Josh van der Fleer he'll be really disappointed that he didn't get any game time at all in the Six Nations someone like a guy like Tom O'Toole coming back in scrummaging against Andrew Porter mm-hmm. like 
like Tom O'Toole for me was probably the breakout star apart from Finley Beelham um, who was a bit more mapped but like Tom O'Toole was outstanding in the Six Nations so Balakoon is back as well Balakoon, he started in the autumn it's, yeah, like, it feels like a long time ago like, now guys like James Hume Mike yeah. Lowry who've been bombed out so obviously it's a huge game from a team perspective but these are the type of games that Andy Farrell and the Ireland coaches are going to be looking at through you know a, a squad prism in terms of you know getting one over on your other rivals so I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it I have to say uh, like Robert the guys, guys like Balakoon going up against James Lowe so, and Stockdale um, as well like a guy who was in the yeah, Ireland squad didn't play you like, can name most of the, the yeah. Ulster backs yeah, yeah. to be fair um, yeah. so yeah there's, there's so much at stake but I mean when it comes down to it I mean it's so yeah, hard just should have probably too much in the pack for them that's yeah. the big thing for I think most of I the would o- say comfortably they should yeah, have most of the Irish teams coming up against yeah. that Leinster pack it's just it's it's the guys coming off the bench too that kind of break your heart a yeah. little bit you know what I mean if you think about who Leinster were playing you know before they went away you've Jack Conan coming off the bench mm-hmm. now that mightn't be the case this time around but uh, who knows the, it, might well be. Be. it might, it might well be it might well be you know yeah. and Baird, Baird has been yeah. Baird has been brilliant Like brilliant, I, I felt yeah. bad for him in the Six Nations I was glad to see him get a bit of a run at the end I thought he was well deserved I think he's primed for a huge end of season like the confidence he's taken from getting in and getting those such a good athlete he's like and I think he's actually got that little bit on the ground that little bit of fetching that you probably need to get into this Irish back because everyone seems to be able to do it Um, he seems to have that now but his on the top top of the ground game is Mm. so so good like he's such a good athlete so uh, and what he brings to the line out he has that little bit of extra weight versus most sixes as well because he's kind of a half a you know hybrid lock slash six so um you know, either way, like whoever it is, whether it's him or it's Conan on the bench, you've got Keen Healy. I thought had a brilliant Six Nations for a guy who's, you know, got some serious miles on the clock. Now he's not unbelievably old for a prop, but he's still got lots of miles on the clock. Um, that's the thing. Like, can you contain Leinster's pack? Like, my my big thing for Leinster, particularly when they're playing the Irish team, is is sometimes they go away from that strength and they kind of try and play an awful lot of rugby. And I think. I don't think they have to. Sometimes they can really sque- they they have the ability to squeeze the Irish teams out of it, like like you know like like some of the big French packs do sometimes. Uh, I don't always think they go to that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think if I was playing this Ulster pack, it'd be the first thing I'm thinking is that right first you know 30 40 minutes let's just pulverize yeah. these guys up top let's just make sure that they know that we've got you know over eight over guys our eight starting forwards we're all internationals but we've also got you know three or four other internationals coming off the bench to to, to supplement these guys on 50 minutes you know you're in for a war here an arm wrestle and um yeah, I think that's probably if I was approaching it, I think that's a like there's less risk for Leinster and losing the game doing that, mm-hmm. I think, than actually playing the fast game, which I think I'm not sure they can play any other way. I've voiced my concern on that one, but I think uh, that's what I'd be doing if I was Leinster because that's where the difference is. The tight it? five is oh, really so where yeah, I think this yeah. is gonna show up. Yeah. Um, Jenkins as well. Jenkins and like Ross Maloney's Ross been Maloney. so he good. Was great for last yeah, Friday, and he, he was a real leader as yeah. well. You could but see Baird him stepping was in up. The Six Nations there as well. Look like he was good, you know. So Baird would probably go back to his best position, which is six. I think we're all agreed. Yeah. and obviously a lot will depend on Caelan Doris's fitness but like Baird's I think maturity has been you know the big thing I think for him I'd imagine working under Paul O'Connell has just been unbelievable for him you know he came into the squad probably a bit green but I think now he's doing like the nitty gritty you know yeah, he's, he's yeah. around the line his line out acumen has been outstanding and he played really played his part in the tail end of Six yeah. Nations but to go back to the original question Will, I'd imagine it's the tight five or Leinster and Leinster do have the ability that's it to put the squeeze on but also play the fast yeah. game as well and against teams like Ulster I think they, they can definitely do it it's when you get to the La Rochelles and stuff like that they need to think outside the box but they need well, to double down I think on the power game and I think yeah. Ulster will struggle to cope with that Just before we finish up a word of the, the women's team obviously a very tough start to the Six Nations against Wales last weekend it looks like it could be a long a long tournament for them Yeah it was sobering really um, yeah just it was really really disappointing but they were just blown away in the power stakes and like you're talking about a Welsh team who are no world beaters either it was alarming really um, I thought one of the most confusing aspects of the game was how many players were covering multiple positions I just didn't really it was it, at times it was actually hard to figure out who was playing where and like in, at international rugby like that is just not great I mean you had the halfback switching that was fair enough you had the scrum half went to wing then when she went back into scrum half Molly Scuffle McCabe uh, you had Linda Jungang started tight head then she went to Loosehead, you had Dervla Nikavard who came off the bench and she's a hooker who can play number eight but she found herself playing then in the backs as well so it was just a mess to be honest um 
you know, we spoke about Munster earlier going to Durban looking for, you know, at, to, to bounce back. It doesn't get much tougher than than France, you know, at home this weekend. So, you know, hopefully there'll be a good crowd in Musgrave Park. But unfortunately, I think this Irish team are going to have to go through a lot of growing pains to get to where they are. And that's I don't think that's a, a reflection of the players. I, th- I just think it's the sad reality of how far behind the, the rest of the teams. And now they're actually even falling behind teams like Wales for, you know, for the last few years, we've been saying it was England and France. France were out on their own who by the way still are miles uh, out in front of their own but now Ireland are falling behind the likes of Wales I mean they're going to Italy in a few weeks that, that looks like a game that is going to be really tough to win as well so um yeah, it's tough, tough for them. Will like we're only one game, one game into it, but it's hard to see where they're going to get a win this season. But hopefully they can grow into it as they're you know progressing. But it could be a big score, I fear, um, at home to France this weekend. Yeah, there's so many issues and it, it does seem like it's going to be a long, long rebuild before the team is competitive again. I know, and it was already alluded to about the sevens thing, you know, that's that, that does hurt us. I think, and the sevens know. head coach, who it's worth mentioning, was just announced uh, just before we started recording, Aidan McNulty, who has done unbelievable work uh, with the, the girls' sevens team, has, you know, is no longer head coach. They're gone to Hong Kong this weekend and they have a new head coach and Aidan McNulty is taken over as a, a talent ID scout in Munster. So I'm not sure what's, what's going on there either, but like the sevens side of the house looked like it was all well and good and they're on course to qualify for Olympics and all of a sudden now the head coach is, is no longer there so sorry to interrupt you no, no, Luke, no. but that feeds into kind of the malaise yeah, or whatever's going on in, in women's rugby So yeah it just seems like they haven't really settled in obviously last year was pretty was a lot, this is gonna say, it was last year wasn't it but there were all the kind of disruption around you know the the um, they yeah, played the first three games and then yeah, they but then they all went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which was kind of mad, like you know. Mm-hmm. And I think they're still in that situation where you've got your showcase event and like you know some of your best players, probably most of your best players, uh, are, are not available to you. Like that just that's not really going to work for you going forward. And you'd have to say you'd really someone like Greg uh, McWilliams, you know, that's a that's a tough ask, you know. And you know when you're already when your back is against the wall already, um, you know, I just think. You know, it must be disappointing for him. Uh, you know, it must be a little bit disheartening. Uh, so, look, we we hope that they can turn things around. I agree with Keen. Um, it looks to me like it's 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 a long route back for them to get back to the top table. Where I think they they might have been close enough to to England and France at a period. That looks to me to be old news at this stage now. You know, and as you said, that match in Italy, like they're bad bad mm. memories there. You know what I mean? I think that could be a, a tough one to win this time around too. You know, so we, we wait and see on that. We hope they can turn things around, but uh, not looking pretty and poor start to competition. Yeah, they, they've obviously you know given the contracts, which is a step in the right direction. But I don't think anyone was naive enough to think that all, all of a sudden they've given you know, and the contracts obviously aren't worth that much money in the grand scheme of things. But that wasn't a cure to fix all. Like just because they handed out a few contracts didn't mean that Ireland were suddenly going to be able to compete. But you had an 18-year-old prop thrown in against, you know, um, a young prop from Wales as well who was absolutely outstanding. I think she's a cousin of the Vunapolas and she was immense. I have just, an idea way to start. Like, and, but like, you know, tr- <laughs> like thrown into the deep end, you know, and you'd hope that now she isn't too scared from that experience. So uh, look, they have a, they have a lot, lot of work to do. Um, hopefully they can turn it around. But, um, you know, in terms of bigger picture stuff you know young girls what watching on you know you know hoping to play f- you know rugby for Ireland it's not great to to see these heavy heavy results so um yeah hopefully I, I know it's that's a pretty you know pessimistic and negative but I don't think there's any point in in sugarcoating it I think it's the reality of the situation it probably isn't right either that like if you think of most sports in Ireland there's usually a female athlete or a female team that are performing very at a very high level and some of the things that they've achieved often outshine uh, the male counterparts mm-hmm. in Ireland Irish women are brilliant sports people generally um, you know and I think for them to be that far when you look at how the men's game is progressing for them to be this far behind is a little bit disappointing I think and um Look, it's not just this team, or you know, it, it, this has happened over a period of time. So it's probably going to take a period of time to get it right. Um, the men's game hasn't always been at you know at, at the current level it's been at, but I think if we can get them back to a place, and as you say, once you get a little bit of positive momentum, I think the men's team have built huge consistency based on you think of those mid noughties yeah, and, and there was well, there we, were, we, well, well. We, were, we weren't winning yeah. things. There was still a you know positive results. You didn't have many heavy defeats. There was kind of periods where you're kind of saying, oh, well, do you know what? I'd love to play for that team. I've pride for you know playing for that team. As a youngster and I think um, that's brought on this real kind of golden generation and consistency in the in the Irish men's team whereas probably yet to see that in this Irish women's team but um, and it will take some time to get to that point I think but it's very important that they do because 
it's hard for people to want to play for a team that are kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. As, as a young girl, you, it's a great point that you make. You want to be watching the team saying, wow, uh, look at those guys. Mm. They're, they're my heroes. I, I want to play for that team, you know? So look, there's a bit of a journey to I've go I've seen on. what the women's soccer team have been able to do over the last number of years. Absolutely, they started yeah. from a similarly low we base. We could go on about Irish uh, And now they've qualified for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that team, we're not like... But do you think oh. Sonia Sullivan, you think, you know, Katie Taylor, yeah. all these people, as brilliant sports people all the way through Irish history, um, you know, and... and um, you know, there's no way that we're not capable. We have we have great sports people in this country, and and um, you look at the you look at the football in hurling, you know, or camogie. Sorry, um, you know, there are some brilliant athletes uh, all across the country. Play, you know, in, in men's and women's sports in Ireland, there's no way that we shouldn't have a, a brilliant uh, women's rugby team. We just we're just earlier in that journey, and I think. The the ten year anniversary of the Grand Slam passed uh, a couple of weeks ago, and like you think about the legacy, there's no legacy from that, and like that, like I don't no doubt because there's there's girls probably in this squad now who were watching the likes of Fiona Coughlin, yeah. Neve Briggs, like Alison Miller, you know, that savage team that, you know, did really well at the World Cup as well. But there's been no legacy from that. And that's so, so disappointing. And Will, you made a good point on Twitter when the kind of the squad was named. I'm not sure what it was, but like the likes of Bavian Parsons is a bona fide superstar. But yes, young girls, unless you're going to get up early in the morning this weekend and watch the Sevens in yeah. Hong Kong, aren't seeing her. Can and she explain what, why are they playing Sevens? Because Maybe it's the funding, yeah. So it, yeah, it's I know there's money that can be unlocked. Well, and if so. you get into the Olympics, yeah. And, and, so, and some girls, some girls have a dream that they want to make the Olympics. No different to what the men did. But it's just like when you have, and I'm just using Parsons as an example because she is the the poster oh, yeah, girl she of. Awesome. She's on billboards. It's like people who would have watched the Six Nations last year, mm. like seeing her on billboards, and she's like, "Wait, why isn't she playing this weekend? She's doing yeah, what? Yeah, like, yeah. it's in so Six Nations. If there's ever, if there's women's rugby's going to grow in Ireland, it'll be through the Six, Six Nations, one hundred percent. That's like what it has casual to fans flock to. As you're saying, you're struggling to get engaged, with, maybe with club rugby a little bit. Most of the fans who watch Six Nations drop off completely yeah. and only follow that. So I just think it's mad that like the biggest star we. Could could have mm-hmm. who could be a superstar of the game yeah. is playing sevens at the weekend instead of playing against France and the Six Nations is now in its own window yeah exactly you know yeah. what I mean so like, that's what another a shop window exactly like, to, yeah. to put out what you have so it, that doesn't seem right to me that that is that's the, the powers that be need to have a look at that because it seems very short term thinking okay there's fun, a pot of funding that will be unlocked but I think the overall growth of the game will come from having our best players playing but in this uh, if you think about it Will though at this point in time there isn't a massive do you know what I mean? so we go into Heineken Cup now for, for the men's game um, you know and that's that's a big that there's big showcase uh, you know matches in that particularly around semi-finals like you'll have packed out big stadiums 50,000 people probably on all the games maybe more and some of them uh, you just don't have that outside the windows for the Six Nations and you're not in the spotlight um, you know so you have to be able to think that if you were to grow the game like the 15s and 7s at this point of where women's rugby is at they should be kind of there should be a kind of symbiotic relationship there and you know they, they should be relying on each other for you know to get notoriety and to, and to build the brand of the game and I just think having those two events on at the same time it just detracts a little bit. I think the two sh- the, the two are kind of additive, if you know what I mean. Mm. If you have a big six, six Nations campaign, you might go, do you know what? I'd love to see that Bevan Parsons again this weekend at Sevens. Maybe I will tune in for that. Whereas I think at the moment, I don't know, like, I, if you're a casual rugby supporter, as you kind of alluded to, you know, I don't think you're going to... be confused. If you look at the, the team sheet last go, weekend and you'd be like, where is everyone I watched? Why is that person playing for the... Or where is yeah. half the people I watched yeah. last year? Why aren't they playing? Like I thought of, I, I read an article the other day about the Six Nations and a player was referred to as a 15s player and that kind of said it all to me is in like they're making these distinctions because obviously it's so separate and people are just doing different things and sometimes when I bring that point up I feel like though I'm just missing something obvious because I'm just like, for me it's just obvious that they would they would, should be playing in the big showcase. Well, the, two should, the two should help and each other. And I just feel like, am I missing something? But, but like it's like this for, for I know, years. Yeah. I know like, it's nothing new. It's it, just no, frustrating. No, but it, it, not that. But like, it doesn't. Like Luke is right. When you have the Six Nations, like I, I know, like we have this problem in the men's game as well in terms of trying to align the the calendars and stuff. But it makes no sense when they're kind of they're, they're clashing off each other. So you're not getting the, the best of both worlds when the women's game is still small enough that you want to see you know as many as the good players you can at the time. But this has been going on for years. Like I remember like years ago covering like Hannah Tyrrell was you know pulled away yeah. to go play sevens when there was a big Six Nations game. And this is when Ireland were competitive. So the the talent pool in terms of the depth isn't there in Ireland at the moment to be pulling you know your best players left right and centre so I actually think they probably made you know they made a decision from earlier on, early on to say look 
if you're not going to be involved in the Six Nations, then you go and do the seven thing. Because last year it was so messy in yeah, terms they, of filtering they left out. Halfway through, yeah. it, you know, then that's you, not a, it, that, that's, that's not, not a deal. Either. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's probably and, worse. Like, and not good for team morale either. When yeah. you know girls aren't getting their starts when they're training, and they know that oh, I'm only here until the seven girls go away. So. Mm. It's it's yeah. There's there's so much going on. Like we could do you could do a series of yeah. podcasts with the yeah. stuff that's going on. But in as it. you said, hopefully a good crowd this weekend and maybe a better showing against France. Although they will be big favourites. Just to finish up, then we might get predictions for the two big games of the weekend: Munster versus the Sharks and Leinster versus Ulster. Keen, I go to you first. Who do you fancy? Uh, Leinster. Um, I think Leinster. Yeah, like I said, tight five. I think they'll overpower Ulster, and they should win. Not comfortable, but they should win handy enough. I'd say uh, Munster. I think is much more difficult to call. Um, both coming off the back of really disappointing defeats, um, but it would just be like Munster for their you know their first European or Champions Cup anyway knockout game in South Africa to go and win and just add another little notch to their. Their storied history in the competition. So, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine I'd back Munster, I think, to, to get a win, but it won't be easy. I think so, too. I just think the Sharks, even though they have the most star-studded, arguably, South African team on paper, they just, I think I said jaw-dropping results. I think they lost, like, 26-0 at home to Carlo for 36-0 yeah, at home to Carlo. Cold, aren't they? Really yeah, there. this year. Uh, so, even well, if they, they turn it on. If they yeah, do, yeah. Like, even watching the them against Harlequins at the start of this campaign, they really put mm. them to the sword. Who do you think, Luke, over in the two matches? Um, I'll go the... I think Leinster win that in a tight one. Um, I think it's not as... I, I think Ulster put in a big showing. Um, they won't be overawed by playing, as I said, the, the Leinster team I alluded to that earlier on. And I think the Aviva you know, won't be, they won't be fearing that either, um, even though they had a rotten result against La Rochelle a couple of months ago. Um, so I think that's a tight one for Leinster. And I think... I just don't like backing against South Africa teams um, in South Africa. Uh, I agree the Sharks have been patchy, but there's just too much too much ability and I think at home South African teams are very very different um, even more so than French teams they're really really difficult I think it might be just a little bit too much for Munster but I think Munster both teams get their their, their uh, SH1T together this week and uh, I think they're you know it's a real physical battle but I think the Sharks come out on top just because they're at home I think it's be, be maybe a, a bridge too far for Munster well, it's said it to be an absolutely cracking weekend of Champions Cup Rugby. I'd like to thank Luke and Keane for joining me tonight on the Left Wing Podcast. We will be back next week with another show looking back on all the European action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.